Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to Habs Culture, a Montreal Canadiens podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Habs Culture and on Twitter at Habs underscore culture to stay on track with news and updates. Episode 41 of the Habs Culture podcast. My name is Mark Anthony Bertaggia. I'm alongside Justin Schwartz. And today we have a very special guest with us. We have Mark Dumont, special contributor to the Montreal Canadiens. Thanks so much for joining us today. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, uh, Mark Anthony and Justin. How's it going? <laughs> Actually, for those of you that don't know, right before the air, I screwed up Justin's name. So I was calling him ah. Joshua or something. But uh, now we're on good terms. We're all buddies here. Uh, <laughs> I'm go. really happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Well, yeah, I'm sure you. it's been a, a very hectic week up in uh, the Montreal Canadiens. Trade deadline was yesterday. So obviously we're going to talk a bit about that. So right off the bat, first impressions. How do you think the Habs did? I think I, I think I, oh, sorry, sorry. I lost, I lost you on that last oh, okay. audio there. So, okay, okay, sorry, guys. Okay, are you still recording? Keep recording, okay? Yeah. I'm going to tell you sure. why. You want my impressions? Literally, the Canadians just released an article giving my impressions. So, now I can talk about my actual impressions. Like, it just came oh, out. Oh, okay, okay, cool. Like, like, 10 seconds ago. So, I actually got distracted there. I apologize. Now, I'm all, no I'm all with you guys. But go check. Hey, this is a good time for a plug. Go check out the Montreal Canadians, <laughs> my article about Ken Hughes. I, hey. listen, I know I work for the Canadians, but. Everyone I spoke to that um, doesn't work for the Canadians loved it. And I'm talking about like just regular fans. I put up a poll and it was a 96% approval. Like that's dead dictator, you know, dictator numbers there. Like that's like, you know, when they register dead people to vote. Like that is that (laughs) that type of encouraging um, vibe from the fans right now. And uh, it's not the fan, just the fans, not just the analysts. Um, I think beyond the return which is fantastic there's a sense that Kent Hughes has really first of all he set his prices and he stuck to them and I think the haul was just ridiculous like that's the best haul deadline haul I've seen in a long 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 time what they got for Sherratt was a fantastic value deal what they got for Lekkanen I mean I love Lekkanen y'all know how much I love Lekkanen um (laughs) you can probably still see some tears in my makeup there because um like he was one of my favorite players and Brett Kulak as well but the returns they got I mean, come on, you don't say no to that. However, other than the returns, the point I was trying to make there before I got lost in my own thoughts was uh, I think Kent Hughes said about it the right way in that he was very transparent with his players. He let them know exactly what was going on. And he was very transparent with the coach. And um, that leads to a better image throughout the league because then, like, you heard Ben Schrott when he left. He's like, yeah, I'll sign back here in a minute. Lekanen loved it here. Kulak loved it here. Uh, you know, even Toffoli loved it here. So I, I would dare say that there have been some unhappy divorces in the past. And now when players leave, they're like, hey, I, we understand because there's open lines of communication. So that's a luxury that new GMs get to have, though. Uh, however, I would say the transparency has been fantastic. Just today, they had a, 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 a live Q&A with mm-hmm. fans, you know, like that's on Twitch. Isn't that cool? Isn't that <laughs> yeah. cool? The Montreal Canadiens are on Twitch. So um, I think he's doing the right way. It's modern approach. Um, there's still a lot of work to do. But I would say overall, uh, you, you can't argue in good faith that 
Hughes has like he he's hit a home run so far mm-hmm. as his tenure at the GM. And I, I don't know what you guys think, but I I find it hard to argue against the fact that he's done great. Oh, uh, Mark, if you don't mind me chipping in here, but yeah, I mean, I, I, absolutely. I mean, honestly, I don't think it could have gone very much better, in, in my opinion, at least. And and to be honest with you, like, I know I follow your stuff on Twitter, like, losing Lekkanen, even for me, like, it started getting to me, and I was like, you know, this this guy provides so much to this team, like, the nitty-gritty details, like, it's it just, what a player for his respective value. But yeah. but you know what? I mean, again, the, the return, the, the Mark Barron, a 2020, uh, 2020 first-round pick, and plus the second, and then the return for Kulak, I mean, I just really don't think that he could have capitalized it on it, capitalized it on, on it any better, to be honest. No, I mean, do you guys remember what they, uh, it was Matt Taramina, if I remember correctly, and Renat Valiev, I believe, were the players they traded for Kulak oh, at the time. And yeah. they were both... Actually, I was kind of upset they traded Taramina and Valiev because <laughs> Valiev was doing good in Laval and Taramina was just... If you look up Matt Taramina's numbers, he was an AHL star. He like he was ridiculous how good he was in the AHL. Right. He kind of disappeared after that. But uh, yeah, they, they, they essentially turned two minor leaguers into a really good player. Like, they got value out of him. And then you flip them like... You can't say no to that. You absolutely can't say no to that. And it's not just that... Um, you flip him for good returns, like for example, Kulak. That's basically going home for him, right? So he, he like, you're 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 improving your reputation across the league, and I think the Canadians had to do that. They they absolutely had to do that. So uh, it's not just what they're doing for Montreal; it's what their their reputation growing around around the NHL. I think it's improving by leaps and bounds, and it's not and it's stuff like what Chantal Maccabee is doing and and what the marketing team is doing. But they're throwing me on Twitch. Like, isn't that cool? <laughs> at the trade deadline that I'm yeah. jumping on Twitch. You know, I I still can't believe it. Um, that they're allowing me to do this or encouraging me to do this. So um, a lot of forward thinking uh, recently, which, which, hey, it was necessary. But uh, overall, from top to bottom, I think the Canadians are kind of experience a renewal, like a rebirth into, into um, not relevancy because they're always relevant, but just into the good graces of people. And, and, and it, it's good to see. It's good to feel like there's a, there's, the Bell Center is rocking right now. Yeah. The fans are having so much fun. And the Habs are still losing, but... I mean, it's fun, and that's what matters. I think if you listen to the Q&A, Hughes hit on it hard. It's an entertainment business, and the Habs are very entertaining right now because of you know the moves they made, which includes Martin Saint-Louis, obviously. Of course. And talking a bit about reputation, and you guys can touch on this, of course, for Kent Hughes, a rookie GM, to come in and really set the market and set the price on his players and let GMs around the league know that this is my price. If you want to pay that- for it, call my phone. If yeah. not, then we'll just move on. And I think that, that people actually paid for it. Kind That's of what I wrote in my article yeah. saying like he, he's a rookie GM, but that was a veteran move. Mm-hmm. I think he did very well. And um, and look, we're just we've mentioned this in the podcast before. We're loving the modern view of the Canadians now. Look, we, we've mentioned Twitch here before, but just being so open and expressing. Look at he said he loved Kulak a few days ago in his press conference when he traded Sherrod. He said, "I love Kulak." Yeah. Could that have set the market? Who knows. But well, look, it's so I mean, I, I think he made it clear to all the other GMs that he knew the value, right? Like, mm-hmm. okay, I'll give you a really example of how smart Ken Hughes is. So when he did his introductory um, in, uh, presser, which was really cool, like they set up the Habs, they, 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 yeah. they, it was really nice. Like that was the marketing team. I'll give them credit. They did a re- actually, you know what? Uh, that was France Marguerite Bélanger, who's one of the most important people in our organization. She doesn't get much press or much credit, but France Marguerite Bélanger is just a driving force. She's intelligent. She's the most impressive person I've ever met in my life. 
Okay. I'm intimidated by three people that I've met mm. in my hockey life. And it's not <laughs> Wayne Gretzky or even when I met Marius Richard or, you know, like I, I've been pretty lucky. Um, one was Madame Beliveau. And I don't have to explain why. I mean, she's an angel. Yeah. She's, she's just, you know, um, she shared her husband with an entire nation. You know what I mean? Like that took a lot. She never really got to just have Jean to herself. So, and Le Gros Bill, as you guys know, is my favorite player. Um, <laughs> two is Caroline Wallet because she's just kick-ass. Like she's the best. <laughs> I mean, I remember watching her just win gold medal after gold medal. And like, I know her. She's basically like a friend of mine, but man she's just so cool and kick-ass and the amount of good work she does for the future generate like her hockey school she set up um for women obviously which is very important we have to mm -hmm. do a much better job supporting not just the women at the higher level grassroots but the program she set up uh and her tournament is now like the original members of the tournament when they were whatever seven or eight or 13 14 or now have ncaa uh scholarships you know what i mean awesome, so that's yeah. like she's such such a badass like she's just so cool and uh the third is class Margaret Belanger because she is so accomplished like uh, I'll, she arranged the deal between Gillette and Molson and then when it was done Molson reached over the table said good job come work for me like I want you to work <laughs> for the Canadians you know so that's how mm -hmm. impressive she is and she's doing so much good work behind the scenes she's part of the board of governors she's the only woman I believe that's on the board of governors she represented represents the Canadians she's essentially the person that like signs off on most big things so um keep france margaret belanger in mind because she's a very important member of the montreal canadians i just wanted to put that out there because no one talks about her yeah chantal right. Maccabi, fantastic addition but we also need to give a lot of credit to france margaret she's just like she's a superstar she's just mm -hmm. a superstar right. if you look up her accomplishments she makes you feel so inferior <laughs> like it's, it's ridiculous how accomplished she is and she's a nice person she's smart she's from matan uh which is one of my favorite places uh to go when i was younger so um really nice person too so france Marguerite Belanger, very important person mm -hmm. in our organization I'll remember the name, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, and and just and just to add on to that, I mean, like you preached before uh, transparency, and you know what? Like, like I've wrote I've wrote a few papers now, like for my school, and we're, and we're talking about like in sport organizations, transparency is key. And I think that that's one thing that the Montreal Canadiens organization kind of lacked a little bit, and it and, and it bothered a lot of fans, and it upset a lot of people. And I think that seeing now how in, in the direction that we're going in with the the transparency, and not only that, but building upon a sense of credibility and how credible the the main components within the organization have become. It just it's like a refreshing like view. It's a refreshing taste. So I think I think we're all pretty happy here. Yeah, and absolutely, I agree. Now, however, actually, what I'll do. Because I don't want to trash Benjamin too much. I think what, what happens is that after whatever, 10 years, I mean, less than a decade of the job, things become a little different, right? Mm -hmm, and he was actually fairly open to begin with. Mm -hmm. So if we actually go back about 10 years, Benjamin was doing a lot of the same openness thing. However, it's I will say this. It's difficult to maintain as the seasons go on. Okay, so I'm going to give... Not Benjamin a little credit. I'm going to maybe take some away from Hughes, which is a really smart thing for me to do as an employee. Uh, <laughs> just to say, but like he's taking the right steps. However, he even admitted it today. Like it's a lot easier at first. He's in the honeymoon period, right? Mm -hmm. The right. key is maintaining it as you go. However, it'll never stay at this level of transparency. It'll probably get a little bit murkier. But I think the key is after five, 10 years is to maybe not let the pressure kind of get to you and just, you know, sometimes when guys answer questions for so long, they're thinking about, instead of answering the question, they're thinking about why is this person asking the question? You're actually like trying to play 3D chess here, right? So um, that's tough to avoid. 
we'll see how Hughes deals with it in the future. But so far, it's been great and refreshing. And it's not just a transparency with the fans; it's a transparency with the players. That's that's listen. That's more important than the transparency with the fans. I know, and, and I'm like the ultimate. I love the fans. I think they deserve everything. But being upfront with the players so important. And you saw when Sharad got dealt, he was like, "Yeah, yeah, I knew about it. It wasn't like." It wasn't like he didn't get Dandanov there. He didn't learn about it on Twitter because that <laughs> destroys a team. So, um, yeah, very refreshing in that respect uh, that Hughes knows how to deal with players. He, he's built relationships throughout his entire career. That's what he's done with players. So he's um, he's a very good ad in that respect. That, like, coming straight from his talent as an agent, that's where you're getting that communication uh, value. 100%. Yeah, and same the same page for um, for Jeff Petrie, right? A guy who kind of knows where he's where he stands. Where if the deal's right, he'll get moved. But right now, you're a Montreal Canadian, right? And you got to wear that that jersey for the three when it remaining six weeks, whatever there is left. Yeah, um, and I mean, I, I like listen. I I I'd, I'd say forget about this season for for Petrie Mulligan it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, and, and yeah, and see what you get next year. You know what I mean? Like, and and also during the presser, I think a lot of people misinterpreted what he said. Um, in terms of like dealing Petrie, he used it as an example. So I don't think that's on the table, but uh, I think we have to remember in Petrie's case, he gave Canadians like six, what six, like excellent undervalued, mm-hmm. like overvalued deals in terms of what he got paid. So a little bit of a grace period is like now, for example, there was an OT loss the other night. Everyone's crapping on Petrie. I went back and reviewed it. I called a few hockey coaches just to make sure professionals. And they're like, the only guy is not at fault here is Jeff Petrie because he was actually, that was his play to support the play. And he got back and he, he killed the passing lane. Mm-hmm. So, and then I go on Twitter and it's like, Jeff Petrie's the worst, like, he's the blah, 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 you know, so let's relax a little bit on yeah. Jeff Petrie. I get it. He's had a rough year, but um, who among us, right? Hasn't had a rough year mm-hmm. uh, this year. I know I haven't certainly been at my best and especially some of these guys that I don't know if he's had COVID or anything like that, but just the mental, um, he's not with his family right now. Uh, and, and it's been a rough couple of years for some of these athletes. So I would, and just asset management. You don't want to trade him right now. It doesn't make sense, right? Like, this is the only guy, only defenseman that had 40 points for three years running. Like, he was, he was the model of consistency. He didn't just forget how to play hockey. So, I'd, I'd hold off on, if I was Hughes, I'd hold off on even considering moving Petrie. But I'm sure he's been honest with Petrie about it. And that's, that's, the, big, that's the key part. Yeah, and, um, and we know you're a big Lekkonen guy. So, we just want to know, do you think, now that it's all said and done, that the value of Lekin in the trade market was higher than the value of him in the locker room? Like, I actually think it just matched. Just matched? You, okay. You know what I mean? Like, I, okay, I'll tell you right now. I, I, I spent a lot of time in press boxes, um, and I have a huge mouth, right? So I end up talking <laughs> to, like, a bunch of GMs and a bunch of scouts, and they always come straight to me to be like, hey, hey, nerd, like, tell me about the, the numbers. And, and they're like, tell me about Lekin. But, like, that's all they want to know is about Lekin. I got inquired by like very, very and, and you know what's funny about all this? My ex colleague, I used to run a blog called Habs Eyes and the Prize, and my ex colleague um, Eric Pernas, uh now works. He's the director of analytics for the Colorado Avalanche. And, oh wow! Uh, me and him used to just rave about Lekkonen. So, like he <laughs> knew he knew what he was asking um, uh, Sakic Sakic to yeah. uh, to go get there, but. <laughs> Everyone loved him, and, and he was such a hard worker. Like, there's, I think this year, when the chips were down, let's say when we were in the Ducham era, Anderson was almost there every night, but Lekkonen was there every night, no matter mm. what. You know, and, and I think Lekkonen's a great litmus test for hockey IQ. And I know this sounds super arrogant, but if you look at Lekkonen and you say, oh, he's just defensive, he can't score, 
eh, I probably wouldn't hire you for my research and development team, yeah. you know, in hockey. Um, I think a lot of the reactions to saying, oh, he'll get a first rounder, which he essentially did, and a second, people mocking it was people reading Hockey DB. There are very few ple- <laughs> people that bring his defensive awareness with his offensive value at five on five, right? Like, it's not the 80s anymore. You don't score 90 points playing on the third and fourth line while playing PK and no power play, <laughs> right? So right. his first, his his five on five minutes were like first or second line throughout his entire career. Right. You know, yeah. this year he was scoring like above so many good players at five on, like above guys like Taylor Hall. But you would never say that Lekkonen's a, a better offensive guy than Taylor Hall. It's just that well, he's so not. valuable defensively and he's so versatile. Uh, you want to play him against your best players. And like you mentioned there, locker room's important. These guys love them. He was just a good, good, good dude. Him and Gallagher had this fun, like, you know, bitter, not bitter rivalry, but like a fun rivalry going on. So. That being said, I mean Justin Barron, point per five point per game, uh, point five, put it up, point five point per game guy. Hey, <laughs> who said uh, in the AHL as a rookie? I think he's shown a ton of resilience. Good skater. The resilience. I mean, this guy went through blood clots when he was in in in, um, mm. in Halifax. Mm-hmm. Uh, leadership too. He was the captain there. I spent some time with Gooley in the world, like. Right-handed, he checks a lot of boxes. Mm-hmm. He's got that heavy, heavy, heavy shot, like that Al McInnes, or sorry, maybe for your generation, I'd probably... <laughs> the Sheldon Surrey, does that ring a little bit of a better... Yeah. I was going to say Ally Afraidy, but no one knows about the mullet. <laughs> yeah. right? Is that a name that you guys recognize? We've Ally seen Afraidy? it for All-Star Games. We've seen the clips. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the, the most amazing skullet. It's a yeah. skullet there that Ally Afraidy had. Uh, he would always win the hardest shot competition. Like, he would blow Chera and Weber out of the, out of the water <laughs> if it came today, but Anyways, he's got that like thud, heavy shot, good mm-hmm. skater. Um, I would say that his D, his development, uh, draft plus two years has just been excellent. Like he's in the 90th percentile for most things. So um, Justin Barron was a great get. And then you recover your original costs in a second rounder, right? Like, mm-hmm. and also it's deferred. What I like here with Hughes, um, he's not just stacking next year or the year after that. Like he's getting 22, 23, 24, right? So that ensures your pipeline is going to keep going. That ensures that you have enough ice time. That ensures you have enough contracts. That ensures that, you know, it's better to stagger. Like, they have 22 picks in the next couple of years. Like, it's it's great there, but you have to have somewhere for them to play. So I think he's doing a great job in terms of foresight when it comes to accumulating all those picks like they got from Lekkanen. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, he'll be missed so much. He'll be missed yeah. so much. Like, even yesterday, I'm like, oh, my God, this would be a great game for Lekkanen to be in. You know what I mean? For sure. Uh, I, I just... Really, 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 really wish people would start to acknowledge a little bit more the the value of players rather than just look at hockey DB because that's what you get with a guy like Lekkonen. And you know what? He's going to go on to, to pull an Eller and win a cup as a third liner and probably have a nice little career um, with an amazing team. And I wish him nothing but the best. And he gave a lot of good to Montreal. And we got a great return. Like, it's all good. Absolutely. But it's a pretty good example of... Um, hockey DBism, as I would call it, is a lot of people criticize Lekkonen. Um, my friends on the r- local radio station criticized him a lot too. And uh, now you're seeing what the people in the know that have all that data thought about him. He mm-hmm. was right. probably the most sought after. I mean, in terms of his point, like, yeah, other guys got probably better return. Like Giroud probably got the best return, I'm guessing. Um, yeah, Hagel or Hagel, pretty good. Um, Lekin in for a guy that's not on a contract that's 26. I, I think he got a ridiculous return. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And and kind of just to add on to what you were saying before, like the hockey DBism, like it's funny because to me, like I, I appreciate like like Lekkinen like crazy. And like if there's one guy in that in that same stratosphere, I'll I'll say is is like Jake Evans. Like you don't know how good a player like Jake Evans is until you actually watch Montreal Canadiens games, right? And like and I feel like there's a lot of players for different teams, like whether it's the Bruins or whether it's the Panthers, and like their fans are probably the same saying the same thing about certain players. But for us and like what you're kind of saying about Lekkinen and like how undervalued or not undervalued but like underrated he is like at five on five is in is incredible so like i mean like oh what are God. Like, and first I think line numbers at five on five like first there line numbers and every time someone says that they're like oh why are you taking away power play he doesn't play on the power play <laughs> man like you know like why doesn't he score more i don't know maybe because all he does is play defensive duties but like he but even then that argument is wrong it's mm -hmm. like you right. said five on five contributions are ridiculous like it, it's underrated seriously like people are like oh what if you ask for four million dollars if you ask for four million dollars a year you you try not to laugh like as you're handing them the contract you're like, we love you archery you know so i think <laughs> i bet you we're gonna see a like an extension asap from colorado like we're gonna surprised. want him long term and, and, I mean, and, and i mean it'll be like yeah, four four and a half it'll be worth it Mm -hmm. for sure and i mean like look and and sorry mark before you go but like look yeah. at what debrusque just got i mean and look I, again i didn't see what did debrusque get he got a two two times four he got four million a year for two years i mean mm -hmm. like for me at least for well, what lekkanen provides for what lekkanen provides at five on five i mean i i'm i'm a i'm i'll take that all day and like you said like i try not to laugh to be honest with you oh my god yeah well that's the other part is that uh I mean debrusque has okay i mean his five on five numbers aren't even close to being they don't match right. um but like his like his his production, not even close. His underlings are actually pretty good. Now, they're, yeah, here's what it was cool about Lekkanen. While the Habs were were in the Jam era, his expected goals for was like fifty seven percent. The next closest guy in the team was like forty two percent. It was like the, mm -hmm. I'm like, who's he playing with? Like <laughs> how how is this happening? Because usually you'll see like three guys will rise to the top. But his numbers this year, even at one point, I was embarrassed to point it out in an article because I didn't want to embarrass everyone else. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can put it that way. So, Arturi Lekkanen to me is a lit litmus test of, and this is so insulting, but I was going to say of hockey intelligence, but that's mean. That's mean. That's mean. It's, <laughs> it's whether or not, um, no, that's mean too. But I know, but I think you're right. I think it's a litmus right. test. Like, it's a litmus yeah. test for hockey. Let's put it that yeah. way. Yes. No, but if, if, if you can watch Arturi Lekkanen play a good game of hockey consistently night after night at five on five, and you're going to come to me and tell me that this guy is not an incredible all-around hockey player like you're lying or you just don't know hockey it's the truth well or, or you, like one of the funny things that we saw was people were like oh well you know if he scored on every every opportunity he got he'd be a lot better like yeah man <laughs> sure of course he would <laughs> a really good point <laughs> and the thing you know, like if baseball is... players did a home run every time they'd have more home runs i'm just in the saying, hall of fame <laughs> you know what i mean uh and, and it was always funny to me i was playing i'm like yeah but you see he's getting those chances right like He's the, he's like the polar opposite of Byron. Byron doesn't get a ton of chances, but he capitalized. Lagunen got a ton, but he didn't. But I still want that guy that creates a ton. You know what I mean? Like that's the logic here. Is and and also the other part with Lagunen is that people didn't. It's a perception thing. Is that they didn't realize how hard he worked because he wasn't flailing flailing around like a moron. <laughs> he was ahead of the play. He was anticipating the play, but he was working super hard. But he wasn't like chasing and hitting guys five seconds after they lost the puck. He's a smart player, mm -hmm. so perception had something to do with it. But all this to say, your point about Jake Evans, which is, I think, what you meant to talk about before I brought it back to Lekkanen. Nice. Uh, he's another favorite of mine. Um, I'm going to say the other way around. Like, we were criticizing the eye test. Now, the numbers. A lot of my fellow nerds really criticized the Evans extension. And they're like, this guy's a 
scrapple uh, below replacement, blah, blah, blah. And I sent them a message. I'm like, hey, first of all, do you want to see my numbers in the AHL? Because this guy was rocking like a 75% Corsi and mm-hmm. 80% goals, expected goals. So like really good numbers in the AHL. And that's a, like a 300 or 200 game sample size. So good value. And they're basing all this, their, their projection that he's bad on like 10 games at the end of a bad season. You know what I mean? Like where he was just getting caved in playing with a couple you know not maybe not the most skilled teammates his quality of team teammates was bad and uh so that was an example of when analytics go wrong or data analysis goes wrong because you need the context of like yeah absolutely you can't delve into each and every player but if you're going to go and pronounce that this player is a bad value signing um you need to to deep digger uh dig deeper (laughs) than um than 11 NHL games. You know what I mean? I, c- come see me and ask me about his AHL numbers. I have them. Because um, then when he pulls out a 50% numbers, which is very good for his role, um, especially since they're projecting him as way below replacement, you look foolish. You know what I mean? So those player cards that we see, they're great. Uh, they require contacts in some cases. And Evans is a very good case of that if you didn't watch him in the AHL, uh, you probably would have had a pretty negative uh, response to his uh, first 10 NHL game, the numbers of his first NHL games. But again, like I don't want to criticize these analysts too much because they do great work. You can't cover everything perfectly. Um, but to me, the numbers, data analysis is great. You have to combine it with video. You have to. Like, tell me why. Tell me where he's going. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's and again, I don't want to be that old man that's like, it's just one part of the deal, but it really is. You have to have the backup to it, the video. They go hand in hand. Show me why these numbers exist. And that's really hard to do if you're covering the entire NHL. So I understand why not everyone does it. But to me, it's essential. His progression has been just amazing. Like, I, I felt like yesterday you're watching him at Notre Dame in the Frozen Four. And he went to Scoring Laval. Scoring crucial goals. Yeah, he, he, he played so well in, at Notre Pine Dame. Fine goals, OT yeah. goals. Like. It's too bad they lost in the final. I thought they were going to go all the way. But, um, but yeah, then in Laval, it just that type of guy. Even Joel Bouchard was praising him. And it's like so excited to get into the NHL. And he just made that jump. And now it, like he's just so solid, man. Yeah, no, and and he's smart. Mm-hmm. He's smart. Like I remember the first time Jake Evans actually had the first locker as soon as he came into the Laval uh, Rocket locker room, and like it, it's he had to see me every morning. It sucked <laughs> for him because I was basically ninety <laughs> percent of the time I was the only guy there, um, which was amazing. By the way, anyone who wants to break into journalism, at, beg the Laval Rocket for some credit credentials. Like obviously you have to find an outlet, but the access is fantastic and. um so I started writing articles about him, obviously, and we kind of became like buddy buddy after that. And I remember asking him, like, tell me about you. What stands out? What's your greatest skill? He's like, eh, I don't really have one. I'm like, cool, this guy's not gonna <laughs> make it in the NHL. But like I was a huge Evans fan too. And like I was really propping up. I'm like, buddy, you gotta and I'm like, maybe this guy doesn't have confidence, you know? Maybe that's it. And then I'm like, what's your biggest weakness? He's like, Oh, I don't have one. You know, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm starting to see what you're saying here. You know, he's just that classic, well-rounded guy, but it's his intelligence. It's his ability to take instruction and actually apply it, put it like take theory and put it into practice that that Jake Evans has done so well. Um, and he's a good guy. Like mm-hmm. we talk about good people in the NHL, probably a little too much. Uh, you know, a guy does one nice thing and we're like, oh, my God. But Jake Evans is genuinely like a really good guy. So, yeah, I'm a big, big, big Evans booster. And uh, talking a bit about Laval, we'll switch topics here. For the Canadians now, they're not they're not making the playoffs. Laval is though. How dare you? <laughs> I don't even, are they mathematically eliminated yet? No, not yet. No. Um, well, and, and uh, I was gonna be all nerdy. Technically, all eliminations mathematic, right? At that point, but no, no, no. Yeah. Um, they can still make it. 
<laughs> you know that's funny. Mean? Even even Hughes and Gordon today were like, yeah, we're not making them. They, they <laughs> so that's that's nice to see. Yeah. <laughs> um. So are there players on the Canadians that you have? And I think the question was asked to to Kent. Maybe Schooneman. Yeah, just Schooneman, right? But like even then, like I guess it depends because don't forget that was actually hit with a bit of a string of injuries recently. That's what we saw a couple. They just signed a couple guys. Um, I believe Troy Dello also went down. Um. Maybe Schooneman. Like some people asked about Caulfield, but mm-hmm. nah, we're past that. Don't forget, Caulfield had a hell of a last two years. Like he had, he was NCAA, and then he had um, World Juniors, NCAA again, um, Laval, Montreal. Very short summer. Like mm-hmm. the, here's the other part is that I remember returning to work and I was like, oh my god, what the hell just happened there? Like I felt like we we worked really late last mm-hmm. year. Like it's great going to the Cup final, but when you're back at work like a couple weeks later for an entire year, you know that's. Mm-hmm. And plus, we worked like straight through COVID, so um, it was essentially like two years straight for us, and also for him. Because then, short break, back to the Habs, rough start, Laval again. Now he's feeling it. I say you stop messing with his mojo. You yeah. know, let him like I was gonna say retire in peace, but let him <laughs> kind of have a good summer and uh, maybe shoot him in. Maybe uh, Dauphin, Dauphin, shoot oh, him yeah. in. Um, maybe Pez, but like I feel Pez earned. You know, you ask them, and I bet you Pez will want to. But also, you don't want to remove the dynamic in Laval either, yeah, right? So, right. if they need players, yes, uh, maybe, maybe Schooneman, maybe Pez, and probably Dauphin. And what's the deal with Perot? Because he cleared waivers, but he can't play. Can he play in Laval? Um, he can play. Um, okay. I believe. I don't want to speak on this officially, and actually, I meant to say this at the beginning of the podcast. I, I, I these are all my opinions, and these are mm-hmm. all obviously my point of views, not if anything official from the Canadians. I believe they're looking for perhaps um, different avenues in, okay. in Perrault's case. Mm-hmm. Um, great guy, great guy. You know, I mean, when he signed here, the Canadians were in a different situation, so uh, things happen. Um, I think that the, they'll they'll do their best to kind of find them perhaps a new opportunity, but I'm not quite sure what's going on there. If I'm being perfectly honest. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I was gonna say. Uh, I mean, you talked about Pez. I mean, what? A, like, I don't know. Like, what a story that guy is. Like, I'm so happy he like actually made the team. Like, I just I love watching him play. Like, he, he's he's just the definition of work for your spot type of thing. You know. So yeah, yeah. He he would. It's crazy. I would. Um, I was the first at practice every morning. However. I was there with a coffee and like a, a breakfast sandwich. You know what I mean? Like, like I was so, and he would jump on the ice 15 minutes early every single day. You know, he really worked for it. And then, you know, Bouchard did a lot of good things for a lot of players, but I'm not going to give him credit for Pizzetta. Pizzetta gets credit for Pizzetta because even though Pizzetta worked really, really hard, he did everything asked of him, um, his minutes actually continuously declined and so did his games and that's really frustrating at his age especially given his role right like you start to worry so Pizzetta kind of there were some dark moments for him he was a bit worried about his future but he worked through it and um like you said he's just the epitome of you know like giver and you'll get there type of thing so I yeah I I I love the guy and I mean who else really gets that little bit of a Chris Nyland vibe going on with the fans (laughs) right like that's to me that's really really important so big fan of Pizzetta and also like he's a good dude he's a good dude too we don't talk about that a lot and some people don't think about that when it's like tough guys but Pez is just an amazing guy I'm a big big Michael Pizzetta Mm -hmm. fan because again he worked hard so Pizzetta gets credit for Pizzetta I like that I like yeah yeah and uh I have a quick question because it just popped in my head Ryan Palin because I know it's a guy it's a team you follow the Laval Rocket closely 
And Palin's been a guy where he's shown very, very good flashes at the National Hockey League level. Mm-hmm. Do you see him as a concrete NHL player? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and this is, we're going to flip it over because I just took away credit from Bouchard for Pezzetta. I'll give mm-hmm. Bouchard credit for Palin. Fun little story here. When I was with the um, the Athletic, um, again, I was in Laval every every morning and Bouchard eventually, like I spoke to Paling. This is after he got sent down, right? So mm-hmm. he was expecting to make it in camp, but after his four goal game, but then he got injured and all that fun stuff. So he was kind of, uh, he was disappointed. And Bouchard used to always say, like, if players are happy with being in the AHL, they're liars or idiots. You know, <laughs> like it's as simple mm-hmm. as that. Especially if you're a first rounder. Um, but Bouchard really worked with him, and at one point, I wrote like four stories in a week. My bosses asked, and even I told my bosses, I'm like, this is rough. Like, there were no other stories going on right then, right? Like, there was yeah. no no one else really to talk about it for being perfectly honest. Um, and I even told, yeah, I'm like, I, I'm like, I think this is too much. There's no more, nothing left to write. But hey, here I go again, writing a Ryan Paling story. Uh, and then his coach basically like gave me the whole like leave Brittany alone type of thing. He's like, listen, we just have to. He was talking to the whole scrum. There was actually a bunch of people for once. He's like. You know, so one of the things with Ryan Paling, then he like zooms in on me. Then, you know, he's like, <laughs> I think we need to kind of relax and give Paling a chance and like just like nailing me with the eye contact, right? And I'm the kind of guy that like I'll lock back on. So me and me and Bouchard were just like stuck in this scrum and like everyone's like, the hell is happening here? Like, you know what I mean? So, and that's just a level of respect I'll give to Bouchard too. Like, obviously, I'm not going to look at my feet when he's basically saying like, leave my player alone. So mm-hmm. I wrote that story. Uh, I left him alone. Hmm. And um, I think that Ryan Paling did a great job readjusting his expectations. Obviously, he wants to be in the NHL, but he matured as a person and a player, and that's so normal at his age. It's so normal. And when Bouchard told me to leave him alone, he also said, like, hey, guys, we got to stop. This isn't Connor McDavid. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, which is fair, which is very fair to say. Like, I wasn't trying to be insulting. So uh, I will give Bouchard credit for maybe resend- re- resetting the pendulums there. And... Um, and he did a lot of great work with Ryan Paling. But again, we have to give Paling credit for, for, for doing that hard work too, you know. And, and people were way too harsh, I think, to start off with. The expectations were way too high with those four goals. But uh, yeah, I think he's got a really, like, I'm, I'm probably pegging him as a third liner for now. And mm-hmm. uh, we'll see above that. But I think he's been playing smart hockey, very smart hockey. Well, at one point in the AHL, he's trying to deke four guys at once. Now he's using his team. He's he's skating very well. Um, unfortunately, a couple injuries here and there. But um, I really like what I'm seeing from Ryan Paling. Absolutely. And I and I kind of just, because you were just talking about, like we were talking about Pizzetto, we were talking about Paling and like guys that, you know, adjust to maybe like a different style, environment, like type of thing. And, and I just wanted to talk about St. Louis for a second. Obviously, the production is obvious. And, and I'm not even going to ask you like what you think about it. But I, I just wanted to know like, like, what do you think that, like, what's the best thing that you believe or that you've seen that he's implemented into, I guess, the the system or maybe, or no system at all? It, like, what has he done that has really caught your eye that has really kind of, like, switched gears for this Montreal Canadiens team? Um, I think he actually removed some system, if you know right. what I mean. I feel at one point the Canadians, their defensive system was so contrived, it it, it collapsed into a man-on-man and then when they got near the net it became a zone but then it actually brought back to man-on-man if the puck went behind the net but then it like (laughs) you know like these guys are smart but you got to let them play on instinct and i think that's one of the key things that martin Louis did is he said like okay why are these guys in the nhl because they're the best in the world right it's as simple Mm -hmm. as that so if you actually allow them to rely on their talent um the confidence goes up 
And when the confidence goes up, the fun happens. And now they remember like that. All these guys started in an outdoor rink at one point, no money involved. You know what I mean? Just the sound of pucks hitting a board and like echoing into the pine trees. You know, that, that sound of like fresh skates on the ice mm-hmm. cutting into like bitter, bitter cold, or maybe the ice is a little too cold, you know, painting the boards with the puck, that kind of stuff. Like, you know, your nose is way too cold. Your skates, your feet are way too cold. Mom wants to call you in, but you're staying out an extra 30 minutes to shoot some pucks. And, and that was the fun. That's why they fell in love with the game. And I think he kind of reminded them, like, this is why you fell in love with the game, guys. It's fun. And uh, to get to that fun, he promoted the skill, the um, natural instinct. And um, to me, that was the most important thing. And I mean, when you look at a guy like Sainui, you got to listen to him. He's won everything. And, and keep in mind, like, this is a guy that was a finalist for a Hobie Baker, if I remember correctly. Didn't get drafted, you know. Uh, then got wait like he went through a, a kind of a rough start. So how do you not listen to my thing? Mm-hmm. You have to. And he command he doesn't demand respect. And this is a very important distinction. He commands respect, and that's very important. Mm. Yeah. Is he someone that you've spoken to like a lot, or is since he's fairly no. new? No, no, no. Actually, the teams kept me at uh, at bay. He's been really um busy with like. Here's the thing is that not only did he take over midseason as a rookie coach, uh, which goes to show give people opportunities and they might succeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have obligations to certain rights holders and whatnot. So sometimes you kind of fall to the back of the line there, but that's fine. Yeah. I'll speak to him in the future. But no, mm-hmm. honestly, one on one, I haven't spoken to him yet. No, okay. not at all. Yeah. He's literally the only guy in the organization I haven't spoken to. So okay. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. I have nothing to add there. No, no yeah, no, it's fine. Um, but in terms of uh, in terms of Hughes and Gorton, you've spoken to them as well. Mm-hmm. Or you? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, cool. absolutely. Uh, no, well, Hughes, yes, yes, yes. Not not, okay, not cool. Jeff Gort. Uh, we're organizing something for Gordon. Obviously, I've been involved with some of the uh, the media things, but I haven't like sat down with him. Hughes, okay. yes, but not Gordon. No. Okay, cool. Gordon was good on that Twitch today. He looked. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Some yeah, jokes. No, he's, uh, well, exactly. They're. Um, <laughs> <laughs> their dynamic is fun they're having like yeah. it's yeah i'm a big fan of it yeah exactly so um we'll we'll end it off on this topic and i don't know how much you follow but we just wanted to get a little opinion on the draft because the canadians are going to have a nice spot in the top five hopefully mm-hmm. well it's looking like that um who's your guy and maybe it's going to be the third overall pick maybe it's going to be the second who knows what it's going to be is it slavkovsky is it right do you have a preference well, you know what's funny? They spoke a lot about right-handed defensemen today. Oh, you think it might be a defenseman? Would it be well, I'm it... just saying. There's a guy in the top five who I really like. Is it Nemich? Mm-hmm. Is that his name? I mean, I, listen, I'm not saying this is who they're going to draft, but mm-hmm. they did mention, and Justin Barron was very much like a... a, a they, were, they were looking for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because he's a right-handed. And they mentioned him as an organizational need. It is like the toughest spot to fill. Like the Habs were so fortunate for so long because they had Petrie and Weber. But everyone else, you know, the, the Oilers dealt Petrie, and then for the rest of their lives, they've been looking for a right-handed <laughs> defenseman to replace Petrie. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I don't think for sure it's Nemich, but like if they fall to three, um, Slavkovsky for sure great too. Um, you got to look at Logan Cooley too, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not so hot on Matthew Savoie, if I'm being perfectly honest. Oh, okay. Uh, Connor Gecki. I think will actually be and and the Habs probably will be already out of that range by then, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think very very exciting prospect as well. But hey, I mean, you want Shane Wright, eh? You want Shane Wright, right? Um, yeah. A lot of people, oh, it's weak, it's weak. No, man, he's been super good. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's not a generational guy, but you can't get that every year. The generational guy is next year. Um, yeah. 
but Shane Wright's been fantastic. And everyone else like, oh, it's a weak draft. Man, stop talking about a weak draft a year before it happens because <laughs> you don't know until 10 years after. Like, you can say perhaps there's not as much top end talent. Sure, that'll mm. accept. But this whole, I, I declare it a weak draft. <laughs> Get out of here with that. <laughs> well, junk. well, look at the Elias Pedersen draft, right? Like, I mean, like oh, what a you, weak you draft, <laughs> right? You, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have known until now. But now you look at some of the players that were drafted in the mid in the mid first round and you're like, oh, like what a stacked uh, a stacked deep draft, if you will. So, you know, yes. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, always be weary of when there's one guy. What I've learned is that when it comes to prospect analysis, the best you get is from teams like and I'm not talking hockey teams specifically. I mean, like, like for example, my friends, who they are my friends, well, I'm at hockeyprospect.com. They have people everywhere, like whether it's Europe or Quebec or, or NCAA, or, but they go see games. So when it's one person, like, basically grading 600 kids, like, stop. You know what I mean? Like, it's great that you have your opinion on this, but... you know you oh so you're actually somehow getting better knowledge than a group of like highly trained professionals that attend every single game um or hockey teams which is the exact same thing no no listen and and i'm not saying that amateur guys or, or single you know um prospect experts are bad but they clearly they're like it's literally impossible to cover every one of these kids in depth and do your due diligence in every single one of these kids so when someone says weak draft um yeah, I, I have a hard time, especially when it's one of those like I don't consult anyone else, and my prospect rankings are the way it goes. I, yeah, honestly, I don't I don't put very much value mm-hmm. in that at all. I'll yeah. be perfectly honest, and that's just having spent. I know how much time goes into it. Like I know how much time goes into it, and once once you bring all those scouts in, then there's debate, right? Like that's the other part is the healthy debate. Once you bring in all that information from different areas, so there's no there's none of that pushback uh, when it's a single amateur scout and let's be perfectly honest that's that's what it is right right well right now there's two directors right um from montreal they brought in uh from the, um from the rangers yeah, for, um uh, i forget it uh, i'm trying to look for it now i i i know this because i'm uh i'm an employee <laughs> uh, Chad, right isn't that his name pa- no no not barbara bobrov um, could it be Bob Bob yeah. oh my god that yeah. was so like <laughs> crappy of me to just yeah, I was yeah he plays for the blues now apparently yeah, yeah exactly Barbashev uh, yeah, yeah. has like transitioned into uh yeah yeah exactly no, but yeah. and, um, and also point. martina points involved yeah. in it too so uh yeah i think one of the things that she was mentioned today is he's got to get like now they have a ton of scouts and here's the other part like it's great that the habs did well at the deadline now you have to hit right yeah if you look oh, back man. at it um <laughs> they miss on a lot of first rounders we can be perfectly honest here mm-hmm. it, that's what hurt them so now they have an opportunity to rectify that and add that depth because you want guys like Jake Evans coming through your ranks. You don't want to pay for guys like Jake Evans, which Jake, I'm sorry, buddy. I don't mean to be saying this, but uh, <laughs> you don't want to pay assets for a guy like Jake Evans. Like you, that'll be third or fourth line. Um, you want to develop them in house. Yes, you want to. Yeah, you, you do want to spend assets, draft picks and development. That's where you want to spend your assets. You don't want to have to buy him from someone mm-hmm. else, you know, or you want to see guys like Rafael Arvi Pinal come in and make an impact. You want to see guys like Corey Schooneman come in and make an impact. Not all-stars but depth guys that are produced by your hl team and that's the way it needs to go so the canadians will have a chance to not just hit on some high-end picks like four first or first rounders in two years is amazing mm-hmm. but fill their depth ranks as well and uh you know restock laval with a lot of talent which is we're starting to see the fruits of the labor in laval like it takes mm-hmm. a long time to 
to change things up. So, so far, so good in that respect. And maybe we'll find another Lekkanen, hopefully, hopefully. But I don't, I don't know if you can. There will never that. be another Lekkanen. <laughs> I don't think, there, unfortunately. But yeah, no, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, like it's, uh, you, you know, like that's the problem, right? It's like you can have, a, you can have twenty-five out of thirty draft picks in the first round, but if you, if you, I mean, obviously that's an exaggeration. You but if you don't, hit, you don't you go hit. like Senishin and like, uh, who else did <laughs> and, they go yeah, there? In the... They went, uh, yeah, Sen- I think they took Zaboral? DeBrusque there too. DeBrusque, was there, yeah, 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 yeah. and DeBrusque. The, I mean, DeBrusque. Yeah, okay, the brusque, but yeah, you know, Shabbat and like Barzal and like yeah, yeah. Cal, Cal Connor. Yeah, and didn't they just trade Senishin for like pennies on the dollar? That? Yeah, yeah, I think I think to was it no, not Vegas. Anyway, I'm blanking. But uh, and they're gonna trade the brusque. Ottawa, Ottawa, Ottawa. Ottawa. And they're Ottawa. gonna trade the yeah. brusque. Yeah, and Zaboral did Zaboral every like. <laughs> Honestly, I I what anyway, a miss, that, eh? That's yeah, a massive miss. miss. And, and but... what, what was that? Was that right after they got rid of? Gordon as their director of scouting? Is that I think is so? That, is that how that happened? Mm. Is that a tell? Mm. Who knows? <laughs> what a, and I know you guys have to wrap up, but what was really cool, oh, I don't. think, with bringing in Gordon <laughs> was that he's got a bit of a track record with with Boston. He did the slow, smart rebuild. You know, mm-hmm. um, like he's the one that essentially went out and figured out. Like he signed obviously Patrice to that extension, that really good extension. He's the one that moved up to go get Marchand, right? So like he he built the core there. And then with what he did with the Rangers under a short amount of time, which and they started making big mistakes after he left, um, I thought was impressive because it was kind of like an on-the-fly rebuild. So I felt like he's pretty versatile in both those respects, which the Canadians hadn't really picked where they're going yet. I think they're going to go with more of the traditional slow and low, like um, mm. slow cooker approach there, you know what I mean? <laughs> Makes the best meats. But uh, yeah, I, I think Hughes is, uh, Gordon was a, was a smart choice as the... Uh, as the VP the there, because uh, like he gives that veteran knowledge to um, mm. to a guy like uh, Kent Hughes, who like he's been impressive, but he's still a rookie, right? So yeah, it's, yeah they've insulated him pretty well. Sure, and, and I, he, he was the yeah. Go ahead, Mark. Go, no, I'm just I don't think we mind the slow rebuild. I think if the Canes want to no. be successful for 15 years in a row, I think you gotta you gotta take it slow and not rush it. Look at the Senators; they're they're slowing down. Is it because? They couldn't add a veteran. No, no, isn't it, no, no, no but the Senators rebuild isn't it done now? Is it, this is supposed to be their first year of a run of unparalleled it's success? Unparalleled <laughs> success. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I think saying Habs fans won't tolerate a rebuild is a bad excuse. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. Yeah, they absolutely will. You know what? I think I spoke to a lot. Like that's one of my, 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 my. I don't know if I can announce this yet, but actually, I won't. Um. Anyhow, I interact with fans a lot, and the Canadians love that, right? So, uh, obviously, I take the pulse of fans, and I heard from a lot of hockey people that Habs fans won't tolerate a rebuild. But I heard from Habs fans that, like, what do you like? Stop blaming us. Mm-hmm. We won't absolutely tolerate a rebuild. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? This whole one leg in, one leg out thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, they're absolutely as long as it's done the right way. I think Habs yeah. fans, sure, it's insulting to say they won't tolerate a rebuild. Like, it's insulting to their intelligence. It's insulting to their patience. Yeah, there's going to be a bunch that like, yeah, sure, there's millions of us. And there's some of us that are crazy, some of us that are loud, some of us are mean. Um, but the vast majority will tolerate a rebuild. However, got to be fun, right? And that's what we're seeing. It's fun right now mm-hmm. with St. Louis and Caulfield and Suzuki. Like, I, 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 the, the Bell Center right now is as fun as it was during the playoff run last year. And I was really lucky to be at all those games. Um, and I'll say the atmosphere is, is like they're the last place in the team. And it's the best atmosphere in the league. Uh, sorry, last place in the league. I'll try that one more time. <laughs> the Montreal Canadiens are in the last place in the league. Oh, man. 
<laughs> okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to nail it this time. The Montreal Canadiens <laughs> are the last place team in the league. However, the atmosphere at the Bell Center is the best in the league, mm-hmm. bar none. Like, bar none. You know, teams yeah. like uh, Carolina wish they had our 32nd overall atmosphere. You know what I mean? They, they, right. they, they try to put yeah. it through their speakers, but we produce it naturally. So <laughs> I would say that um, that's a really good sign for the Montreal Canadiens is that the fun is back. The, uh, the enthusiasm, the, 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 the just the, the, the fact that we're focusing on the future, but we're doing it the right way, house fans will tolerate that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, thought it, I think it was using an excuse for very w- way too long. Um, yeah. And it's time. It's time to do it. So I will give credit to, like, for example, Molson actually, in, um, sorry, Jeff Molson invested a fair amount in that cup run. Like, they kind of went for it. And I, I do give them credit because I think it was time to do it. You know what I mean? Like, but then this summer, things got a little convoluted after the cup <laughs> run and things got a little crazy. However, I will absolutely praise them pushing to get to the cup final. I think that was the right thing to do. They had assembled a team. You know, um, we might not see Weber again. Price, obviously, we, um, is taking care of his health because we have to remember mental health is the entire body, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, or just, um, you know, body health includes the mind. So um, I think that was the right time to do it. And I think now is the right time, obviously, to, to hit that uh, reset button. They don't want to use the word, but yeah, we all know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, and 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 especially and especially with such a great foundation, right? Like we talk about, like keeping a few locker room presences and having that core foundation, like those cornerstone pieces, like Suzuki, Caulfield, Anderson, Romanov. Like list goes on and on, and I'm not going to go on to say it, but I mean, I think we understand that, like they have that foundation, and now it's time to use those draft picks, hit on those draft picks, yeah. and turn the franchise around. I mean, it doesn't have to be next year, but over the course of the next few years, and maybe see that 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 joy on a 10x. You know what I'm saying? Like that would be un- unbelievable. Yeah, and I mean, here's the other side of it. And again, I speak just for myself, right? I don't speak on behalf of the Montreal Canadiens. Um, like, what happens when you trade to Foley is, yeah, you get a, I mean, you get a first, you get a guy that can skate and score in Heinemann, but it means your roster is a little worse this year and next year. Mm-hmm. Um, not, you know, you lose Sherrod, you lose Lekin, and your roster is going to be worse next year. You lose Kulak, your roster is going to be worse next year. And, uh, that's not the worst thing for the Montreal Canadiens right now. Like, I, I, I really do think that another bad year would be a good year, in my opinion, going forward. So there's going to be more pain. And uh, today, Hughes admitted, he's like, things will get worse. And I'm okay with that because fans are passionate. Um, or he said, things won't always be so amazing. He admitted, it, like, it's a honeymoon period right now. And, and Benjamin had this honeymoon, honeymoon period as well. Uh, that being said... Um, I really, really I like. I'm excited for the draft next this year, but next year I think the Habs won't be probably won't be, you know, fighting for a Stanley Cup, but they'll have pretty good odds to pick up some very good players next year too. And I think I think that was part of the plan. Yeah, and fingers crossed that uh, Florida has a bit of an iffy season next year. Eh? <laughs> that unprotected. Not gonna happen, pick. man. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I'm also here's a, here's a hey good point though. Yeah, Florida, Tampa, Toronto. Um, <laughs> Uh, we, um, I think we could. I think we could talk about that for half an hour if you want. We're gonna. We're gonna. Yeah, the Habs are gonna end up winning <laughs> as many rounds as Toronto this year. Um, but Florida and Tampa. I mean, Florida. I, I read something the other day. It's like they have three, thirteen stars on the like mm-hmm. legitimate stars on the roster. Yeah. I'm like, no, that. And then I started looking. I'm like, bam, <laughs> yes, they do. So um, you even heard Hughes and Gordon today mention. Actually, I don't know if you guys heard them. Um, that was in the. They had a Stanley Cup. Um, uh, season ticket holder uh, Twitch before they did the live one with the public, mm-hmm. but they mentioned Florida as a team they really would wouldn't like they love their offense and um, 
Right now, Florida's loading up. It's an arm race in the Atlantic. So all the teams are loading up, and there can only be one, right? <laughs> so no matter what, 66% of those teams, or two out of three, sorry, um, well, spent the assets for nothing. Meanwhile, the Canadians avoid that arms race, and what a good year to be a seller. Like mm-hmm. The Canadians made mm-hmm. five deals, and they got two firsts, two seconds, a third, of no, no third, a fourth, a fifth, a fourth. Um, a seventh. A oh, yeah, two, hey. I think. I don't know. Oh, sure, why not? Um, yeah. No fifth. A little disappointing. Uh, <laughs> and then in the Tyson Milanic, uh, Justin Barron, and Emil Heineman. Like mm-hmm. that's five deals. That's five trades. Oh, and also let's add Andrew Hammond for Nate Schnarr, which yeah. I mean, hey, that's still kind of a big win because they like still youngish, you know, decent prospect for a guy that they signed for emergency and or <laughs> traded for emergency and don't need anymore. Yeah. And they trade for Brandon Baddock, who, by the way, Brandon Baddock, nicest guy you'll ever meet. Like really, he, <laughs> yeah, he'll beat the crap out of you if you're on the other <laughs> team, but like. He is so nice. I'm a big fan of Brandon Baddock, but uh, yeah, no, all that, uh, all that to be said. Uh, yeah, a lot of quality picks coming up uh, from the Montreal Canadiens, mm-hmm. and in just such a short span, right? Like, I, I honestly have like everyone's talking about Seattle right now. They didn't pick up another first rounder. You no. know what I mean? Like, no other team has two or four in the, in the next, and and the sure the, the Hegel deal was pretty good but like we're talking about what like 30th and 32nd overall mm-hmm. picks there type of thing so i think the montreal canadians are probably like statistically and i'm going to run the numbers but i know they have the most picks and i think they have the most quality in terms of quality so it's quantity and sure. quality which i mean it's like when you're you're buying mangoes at the 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 the, the grocery store you want both you want quantity and quality Absolutely. And I know he's a rental, but the former Vesna Trophy winner, the guy won last year, just went for a conditional first. Like he even go for a straight up first. It's, oh, it's a conditional. Well, yeah, but I actually thought that was a really expensive price for Fleury. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, he's a 908 goalie. Like, yeah. Alan's yeah. a 905 goalie. Like, what are we doing yeah. here? Yeah, Alan's so good. Yeah, well, what I actually player. think that uh, a lot of, but um, I will say this in the playoffs, this is where. It's all bets are off, man. Like, you know, <laughs> um, it's not a math test in the playoffs anymore, right? Mm-hmm. It's a different kind of test. It's, it, it's, it's one where, where passion has a funny way of trumping logic, right? And um, Marc-André Fleury has that passion. Mm-hmm. And uh, he knows, and I know this bothers a lot of people to say, but he has that winning experience. He has that, when it comes down to the playoffs, this is where it really matters because then you can settle people down and be like, hey, guys, like, don't worry about it. Like, there's a couple guys we've thrown up, a couple guys we sh- having the shakes, the butterflies, and you can just calm them all down. So um, there is some value to guys like that in the mm. playoffs. I will say it right now. And I know a lot of my analytics friends will be like, oh, my God, why don't you <laughs> shut up about that? But they're wrong. Like, they're yeah. wrong because yeah, they've sure. never been in a locker room. They don't understand the dynamic here. This mm. is actually a real, very real thing that happens within every team. Um, there's a reason morale has always been cited as an important thing, whether it's teams or armies or whatnot, you know, just work environment. It's very important. So a guy like Marc-André Fleury very much helps that in terms of leadership and morale. So mm-hmm. I think he does have value behind his numbers, beyond his numbers, but I was just surprised to see like, it used to be that goalies would go for less than future considerations, you know what I mean? Like, there's never been yeah. a market for goalies, really. Um, and I guess Fleury, yeah, that was, that was a I thought that was a really good return. Honestly, yeah, they, I, I feel I bad for him though. Like he wants to just settle down, right? Like he's, he's kind of <laughs> yeah. been getting ganked around. Gets tossed around, man. It's it yeah. sucks. Yeah, I, I was also going to ask you: um, Are you going to be attending the draft in the, in the summer? Absolutely. Um, oh, sorry, my mic just <laughs> my mic just went red there, and that means I'm like I'm like 
I want it really loud. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we, we had a few meetings already to talk about it. The Montreal Canadiens are really excited about it. I can speak on behalf of them for that. You know, here, hold on. Get some Habs gear here. I always have so much garbage hanging around. We're really excited. We're really excited about the player. Um, but um, I can't reveal it yet. But we're going to try to make this. One of the things that always bothered me, I've been to a lot of drafts as fans or just like I worked the one in Vancouver. I worked the one in uh, Buffalo, uh, Dallas, et cetera. And I've been to a bunch as, as a fan. And I feel it doesn't grasp the like experience much. For, you actually get more of it at home than being a fan. So we're going to try to make this. And again, no promises but a little more fun for everyone attending. We're going to kind of make, try to make this a big party, like kind of a renewal party for the, the entire team, the entire organization. And uh, we're going to do it up. We're going to do it up big. Uh, it's Montreal, right? So mm-hmm. um, as uh, Michael Farber, who's the best raconteur in the history mm-hmm. of sports, and he's just a hero of mine, said, you know, there's um, Windsor Palace and Montreal Canadiens are essentially the only two people that know how to do ceremony right Yeah. And uh, I think that's what we're gonna we're gonna fulfill that because I mean it doesn't just it's not just a big event for us it, it really marks the renewal of the franchise in terms of just actual the team on the ice so yeah I'll be there um, I have about 180 beer dates with random people that that that, that are coming down but I told them like Montreal doesn't have very many pubs we're not, <laughs> we're not big on on drinking on patios on a beautiful summer day here. You know, it's not something we do very often. Uh, but yeah, it'll be great. It'll be fun. And I encourage everyone to come down. We're going to really try to do our best to make the fan experience awesome. Um, because we recognize, and this is something that was really important to me before I joined the team, but I needed to know. And I mean, listen, they, they essentially hired me to do this, but um, we recognize how important the fans are to the Montreal Canadiens. I will tell you the worst experience I had in my life was in the playoffs last year was the first two games against Toronto. There were no fans. I was lucky enough to be in the building um, with, there was just like some family members, some player family members there. It sucked. Like it, it felt like beer league, but with guys playing game paid millions, but like you hear the, <laughs> the echo against the boards. And it was like that noise you hear at local rinks, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and then when Lekkanen scored that overtime winner, again, very privileged, very lucky to be there. It was the best moment. I've ever had at the Bell Center, and it was what five thousand fans? I forget thirty five hundred. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, louder than Carolina <laughs> sold out playoff team on their best night. You know what I mean? So yeah. to me, it just shows the not just the juxtaposition between entertainment when fans aren't there or not. It just shows that hockey is nothing without our fans. Like we really, really, really and and especially in a team that has this rich of a French uh, a history, I think it's important to recognize the value of the fans and all this and the new fans too one of the coolest things i saw during the playoffs was fans young and old um you know we saw um mothers with their with their sons fathers with their daughters recreating these memories and we have to be mindful that yes the canadians have a rich history but we have to keep building memories and then stuff like that will mm-hmm. stay with people forever like that young girl that probably doesn't remember the game, but she does remember celebrating on daddy's shoulders after the game. You know what I mean? So um, that's how you build new fans. That's how you 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 bridge the the gap between, yes, it's a business, but also it's nothing without our supporters. So um, I, we're really trying our best. Obviously, you know, you can't reach out to every single fan, but I think the marketing side, the marketing uh, game plan has such a big spot for our fans in there. And we love hearing from them. Every single player I talk to just gushes about, you know, I was speaking to Pierre Gervais just the other day who 
He's a legend, by the way. 3,000 mm-hmm. games in the NHL. His first training camp, Guy Lafleur was the first guy to greet him there, you know, and Larry Robinson and Guy Carbonneau. Like, those are three Hall of Famers. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, um, and he said the coolest thing is that it didn't matter what rink he went to, Habs fans. Like, more Habs fans yeah. than anywhere else, you know? So, it's not just Ottawa where it's a home game. You know, you go to, you see the games in Calgary and Edmonton, Habs fans. Vancouver, Habs fans. Anaheim, Habs fans. <laughs> Tampa Bay, Habs fans. Florida, Habs fans, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah. we're incredibly lucky to have all these fans supporting us and we're really trying to do our best to kind of kind of kind of make you feel like you're part of the group because um we acknowledge we're we're absolutely nothing without the amazing support of mm-hmm. Montreal Canadiens fans it's it's the reason we talk about all the players as the reason that this is the greatest franchise in the world no man like yeah believe is a god amongst men and 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 Marcus Richard was he did more than just what's on the ice he basically started the quiet revolution in Quebec but um Without the fans, the Montreal Canadiens are just another hockey team. So it's the fans that make the Montreal Canadiens les glorieux. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's that's why they're the greatest franchise on earth. It's because of their fans. Mm-hmm. So Justin and I are really going to keep a close eye on the the draft tickets. We were talking about it before. We really went to ten. Now you got us excited. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Well, I mean, and I can't, I can't like we just met with sponsors. We're just kind of going through, you know, um, the paces, trying to figure out what's going on. But like. I really just came into it. I'm like, hey, I kind of crashed the meeting. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I've gone as fan. I've gone as media. And now I'm going to go as uh, like, and I, uh, you know, as a member of the team. And, and like, it kind of sucked. It kind of sucked as a fan. I'll be perfectly mm-hmm. honest. So we really want to make it a lot more fun. I, I thought I can't tell you guys exactly what, but yeah, I thought a lot fun. of ideas. I want the people that are there to be able to kind of touch and feel like you would when you'd shop at a, at a store for clothes. <laughs> so I'm hoping I can give everyone a lot better access that's and, and hey listen i don't i can't promise you it's going to happen but so far my bosses were like yes absolutely and and i do have to give them credit um beyond my direct boss who's she's my producer she's my engineer she's she writes all my scripts she, she organizes all my meetings she she she's the best person and, and like that's why everyone always they're like mark you do such good work and i'm like i turn around and she's right there and she's doing <laughs> such a good work um I call her Douglas Dave just because it's easier to give her a dude's name in hockey. We we, we joke <laughs> about that. It's just, anyways, um, she's amazing. But then our boss also was like, yeah, rubber stamping it. Like, yeah, cool. Let's do that. We need to talk to sponsors, but we really want to bring the fan. Ex- and that's what we're trying to do with Twitch. That's what we're trying to do with like uh, when we come in live at the Bell Center, when we do it every mm-hmm. Saturday, either I'm live here, you'll see this exact background. Um, maybe I'll have taken a shower there before, but um, <laughs> and if they're at the Bell Center, I'll be at the Bell Center because we're just trying to connect. So I will give my producer, she's amazing. I'll give my producer so much credit. Like without her, I mean, I'm an idiot 99% of the time, and <laughs> when she's taking care of things, it, like it drops down to 20%, which is absolutely amazing. <laughs> and uh, our boss is, uh, yeah, very like Shauna is her name. You, you, I don't know if you know her, but Shauna Denise, she actually works with uh. Um, she used to be um, in CWHL. She was a McGill uh, captain when they won the CIS championships. Like she knows mm-hmm. more about hockey than I will ever know. Which is funny because people turn around like you're the expert. Like yeah, my boss could just dominate me hockey, like, <laughs> on the ice, and she's just smarter. Like in general, she's smarter. She has more experience. But uh, yeah, so I thank them for every single time someone says like good job. It's it, yeah, cool. I appreciate it, but. There's a team of people working behind us, really smart. And for the vast majority of them, very smart, hardworking women that are pushing, to me, the most popular brand in Canada and, and doing really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, 
I just want to give them credit because, uh, you know, without them like allowing me to do this stuff, like, and they give me a lot of rope. Let's let's admit. <laughs> did you guys ever think that the Montreal Canadiens would hire someone like me to like go around and like yap my gut? You know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, they give me a lot of trust. They give me a lot of rope to uh, to basically. They're not a lot of rope, but you know what I mean? Like a, yeah, a yeah. lot of slack, uh, slack, okay, slack. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cause rope has a bit of a negative connotation there, <laughs> but, um, they've been amazing. So I thank Shauna and I thank my producer in particular. She's been, um, you know, the last two years have been rough on everyone like COVID mm-hmm. and all that and trying to organize. And she's just the most spectacular person I've ever met in my life. So, uh, she, re- she prefers to remain anonymous, which I think is a sign of, a a uh, strength of character in that respect. But, um, Big shout out to my boss Shauna and uh, and my producer. Absolutely fantastic people. Yeah, some of the most important people. So I don't know if you guys have noticed here. So I'm mentioning Shauna, I'm mentioning France Marguerite Belanger, I'm mentioning mm-hmm. my producer, who's also a woman. Goes to show that behind the scenes, right now, for the biggest brand on earth, it's it's a, it's a lot of or not on earth there, but in Canada, <laughs> I would say, um, is a lot of really really intelligent, hardworking mm-hmm. women. And that's yeah, just the reality of the world. Like I know, I know it's stupid to point it out uh, because we shouldn't be surprised about this. Mm-hmm. But um, they don't get enough credit. I'll say that right now. So it's not just Chantal Maccabi, It's France Marguerite Belanger. It's Shana Denis. It's it's like we have so many, and it's obviously my producer as well. Absolutely amazing. amazing. So the Habs' next game. We'll wrap it up on this against the Florida Panthers. Ben Sharp. Is, well, is that is that their teams. next game? Yeah. When Thursday is it? Night, Thursday night. Oh my god! Right. <laughs> Thursday night at the Bell Center. Ben Sherratt, um returns somewhat. He just right, I gotta check my calendar here to it. figure out if I can. <laughs> and oh, usually I go to that game, but I don't. I'm, I'm tired, guys. I'm really. Well, we'll tired. take your press box uh, tickets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, you know what? I actually wish um, more people could get to uh, experience um, the press box. It's though, high. But, it's uh, really high. It, it, it's it's. <laughs> we're so lucky. Like. I see some of my, I hope they're not going to listen to this, but I see some of my fellow colleagues just whine about the dumbest shit. And I'm like, guys, like, <laughs> like you have the best job in the world. You literally get yeah. paid to watch sports and you have the best angle in the world and you have free food and you have free, like, but if there's no Diet Coke that's cold there, it's like, rah, 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 like, <laughs> oh, relax. Man. First of all, you're a sports journalist. And like, I can say that because that's what I do, right? But like, <laughs> relax there's no Pulitzer coming your way okay like <laughs> like literally there's 35 other guys that are about to write the exact same story as you, you know what I mean? so, and, and and i'm part of that like i'm, yeah. I'm mocking myself here so we, i think sports journalists in general have to take uh ourselves a little less seriously and also now there's some serious aspects to it i'm not trying to say there isn't mm-hmm. um but we also need to be a little more appreciative of, of how privileged we are there are families that spend five years saving up to come to one montreal canadians game mm-hmm. We get to go, like, I can go, you know what, guys, I left from the last two games early because, I mean, trade deadline, I was in the office at 6 a.m. So by the time, but I, like, I watched the, the women, um, um, no, that was Saturday. See, I'm already confusing. I, I was <laughs> watching the Team Canada. I left that game early too, though, because I was so tired. So anyways, <laughs> just goes to show I'm pretty privileged. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and I even leave games early. And we're, 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 these are the type of games that, again, families would just kill to be at. So in general, it's like, all the sports journalists, but particularly me and 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 my coworkers, we're we're really really lucky to have access to that. It's it's the best job in the world, man. It's really yeah. the best job in the world. A lot of people do it for free, so I. Uh, You're making me jealous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love it. I like it's it's one of the things I really try to do is get as many videos as I can from the press box, just to kind of give people and people are like, oh man, it's high up. But now I um I actually did go to a, Jeff 
Jeff, my good buddy Jeff, uh, Mr. <laughs> Molson, um, gave me a few tickets to start the year. And uh, by the way, I can say this, Jeff Molson, like that's the thing. The other day I called him Mr. Molson. He's like, Jeff, you know, because I hadn't spoken to him in a while, but he always says, Call me Jeff, call me Jeff, call me Jeff. This is a guy who I went to his press box as a um a blogger when I was eyes in the prize. And he's like, What do you want? I have all the beer you want. I'm like, Can I have a Labat 50? <laughs> you know? <laughs> like kind of I was kind of digging at him there. Obviously, uh, he's a bigger fan of Molson products. <laughs> and he was like, You son of a he's like, No, 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 no. He, and he laughed. And then he's like, no, seriously, what do you want? I'm like, mm, wine. You know, so, so I kinda, but, but he's been genuinely like, uh, I can say it, Jeff Molson's the one that got me hired. You know what I mean? He saw when I got laid off from the athletic and he reached out and he's like, Get, you're, you're, you're coming on our team. Now, again, I want to give credit to my bosses, Sean and, and John. They're the ones that like also, they're big fans of mine and they've been supportive, not just as a job, but just like I've had a rough couple of years, you know, just COVID and all that fun stuff. Um, but Jeff Molson, is probably the biggest Montreal Canadiens fan there is. And, uh, you know, he gets a lot of criticism, but I think one of the things that he does really well is that he hires intelligent people and he lets them do their things. Now, he eventually pulled the plug on, plug on Bergevin, but you have to let see things through, right? So um, I think, and, and, and again, it, it culminated in a cup final, right? Which obviously it's not ideal that they lost, mm -hmm. but I do think that, most GMs love working for Jeff Molson because he gives them their full support. He doesn't butt his head in. He's not pulling a Eugene Melnick and like <laughs> double checking your Blackberry every time you send a text <laughs> there. You know what I mean? So Jeff Molson um, receives way too much criticism, uh, in my mm -hmm. opinion. And uh, uh, I will say that more than an owner, he's a fan and he's like so easy to talk to. You know, just the other day I was walking by after a game and um, I just walked by. I'm like, hey, Jeff, how's it going? You know? And then he's like, Mark, 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 come back, come back. He's like, I just want to say, absolutely love. And he like starts naming articles that, and I'm like, cool. Like the owners read my articles. He's like, awesome. Thank you so much. You're doing a great job. Like, thank you. And it's like, mm, like cool. it makes you feel good, you know. So, yeah. um, Jeff Molson, genuinely a great guy. Like I, I, he does. Like for example, I don't. You guys probably don't know this, but he saved the guy's life this summer. Do you guys know that? Oh, really? No. no. A guy on his plane uh, on his lake had a water water plane and um, or hydro plane and. Um, it crashed and Jeff took his boat out and basically saved the guy's life. But really? he didn't want an article written about it. Wow. Wow. I'm not bad. Like he'll probably get mad right now and be like, why don't you shut up about that? You know what I mean? Well, well if uh, Jeff's listening but... to this, uh yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, be pretty happy. We'll make sure exactly. we'll be pretty happy. Yeah. <laughs> but um he's the kind of owner that most GMs would want. And 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 I he's been giving this full support to um mm. Issues and Gordon, and then that's that's crucial. I mean, you have you want him to ask questions, you want him to be involved, but you don't want him, someone to be like trolling on social media. Um, I won't mention any particular owner <laughs> or anything yeah. that, yeah. that you know <laughs> spends sixty four million dollars to get a few Twitter hits and then brags about it because that's pretty. <laughs> Anyways, uh, actually, you know what? And if Jeff was here right now, he'd be like, "Why are you mentioning that? Like, why are you being petty?" You know I mean? like, he's above all this. So uh, I do think the Montreal Canadiens are in great hands with Jeff Molson, and he's. Honestly, he's 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 a bigger fan than all of us, you know. So, mm -hmm. um, he, a, a lot of people have this. Yes, billionaire, sure, I get it. But you'd see him at the pub, and you you'd have no idea, you know what I mean. Yeah, so he's yeah. a, he's he's really good, and and he loves the fans. To him, it's more important. Like I think it hurts him more than anyone else when the Habs aren't doing so well because the fans are upset, and it mm -hmm. genuinely it genuinely bothers him. And and that's important, man. You want an owner that cares. Yeah, super important Absolutely. for the team. Um. We usually end this. We usually end our episodes with uh, with predictions. I don't know if you'd want to 
Yeah, Check I can make all. I don't get. I don't care. I can make all sorts of. We should do random, bold, like very. Bold well, I'm not gonna come back and defend the prediction right after, <laughs> right? Like maybe I'll come back on your show anytime. But like, yeah, for sure. I used to do this on 690, and they're like, "Why do you? You don't mind making bold predictions?" I'm like, "No, I'm not gonna like. What? You're gonna call me up and like when it happens? <laughs> no, no, this, this goes away. It's like a fart in the wind." Well, we might tweet at you though. We might tweet at you saying your bold prediction missed. So sure, yeah, that's fine too. Uh, you know what? If it's bad, I'll just I'll lie and I'll pretend it never happened. And then if you put the video, I'll be like, hmm, Photoshop. I know, I know this. Is, I know, I know by the pixels. <laughs> oh yeah. So, yeah. So I'll start us off with uh, with two goals from Ben Sherratt. Back oh, at the ball center. This guy crazy. Do you have one, Mark? What? what? Sorry, was that a question? I thought you were going to show me a video there. Was that a question? No, no, that's my that's my prediction for Thursday night. Oh, for Thursday? Yeah. Against Florida. My, my... So. Is Montembeau in that? I, Ooh, I don't know. Question. It's a very good yeah, question. Yeah, I don't know either. Montembeau, shout out. I was going to say Jake Allen, shout out, but I'll, I'll take a different... Allen did go two in a row, right? Yeah, he I did. I don't know what year we're in. So, <laughs> honestly, sorry, the deadline was like... No, 100%, I'm sure. I'll take, I'll take those, a like, first career hat trick from Cole Yeah, yeah it was one of those 18-hour shifts for me yesterday. Um, who, who's first career? Uh, Coffee. Yeah. Okay. Ooh. Okay. It's coming and go. Like, that's like, <laughs> saying, like I predict... Um, <laughs> I predict Yellowstone will eventually explode. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it will. Uh, okay, so other than Montambo... That's not that fun. A goalie shut up, but like you know, X team and all that fun stuff. It's um, true. This is X team. Yeah. Come on, give us something fun, Mark. <laughs> yeah, I know. Something I'm trying that, to like that we can laugh at you at. <laughs> um. Hmm. I'm gonna say UL Armia for a goal game. Four oh, goal game. <laughs> I think it's the I boldest like... one we've had on the episode on yeah. the podcast. Yeah, actually. he's gonna do Lars Eller and the Lars Eller. Jan Bulis. Uh, <laughs> for those of you that remember Jan Bulis's famous four goal night against the Philadelphia Flyers, I believe it was a Tuesday night. He was he was gonna get scratched that night, scored four <laughs> goals, but yeah, it's it's UL Armia time, man. You know how it goes with Armia, like mm-hmm. boom, amazing game. You know, like yeah. five points, and I feel like he's building up to that. He had a goal. Yeah. And then we might not hear from him for five games, but then he puts five games worth of points up in, in the fifth game, yeah. right? So, you know, yeah. Yoel Armia, four goals. What did I say? Four, four goals? goals? Four, yeah, four, four goals and, and an assist. So, oh, okay. <laughs> and an assist. Yeah, five yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, come on. Five-point game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But, like, he'll be, like, a minus one or something, and people will be like, oh, like, huh, why, weren't you, why weren't you better in the statistic? That doesn't matter. Yeah, so... Uh, I'm on Team UL Armia, absolutely. Like and and awesome. you know what's funny? I will say this: a lot of people thought that he would just fade after the playoffs. I think, or after, I guess our playoffs was a deadline. Um, <laughs> I like the effort I saw from UL yesterday. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that was that was good. And I think, mm-hmm. even though it was a depleted team, that's what we're seeing now. The Habs are gonna give her, and that's all you want, right? You want a team yeah. that tries. So that's the important part, and that's what Martin Sanui brings to the roster. A hundred percent. And we'll end Love it on here. that note, Mark. It was an absolute pleasure. We had so much fun. I think I I was laughing the whole time. Just great conversations. It was really fun. We really appreciate you joining us, and hopefully we can do this again soon. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let me know. I'll come back on. I I, I honestly love doing podcasts, and um, I'm trying to stay away from. Listen, I don't need to 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 go do hits for radio stations right now because mm-hmm. they don't need that. They they like they they have enough people right now, right? So uh, yeah, let me know. I'll come on and uh, I I love the work, guys. Seriously, this is kind of how I started. So. 
um, you guys are way ahead of where I, I was at your age. I'll tell you right now. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it's the type of, obviously no one traded for podcasts, right? Like when we were, mm. well, maybe you guys did, I don't know, but <laughs> me, I always tell people when they say like, what's the, what should I look out for in, in sports or I want to be a journalist is that you're, you don't know what your job is going to be in 15 years because it doesn't exist yet. Right. So you guys getting into this is already your ahead of the curve, but you can be able to pivot and adapt. And I, and I love this because this is stuff that I wish I could have done at your age, mm -hmm. honestly. So kudos, well done. And uh, yeah, I'll come back anytime. Honestly, I awesome. really appreciate it. And I'm sorry. I talked a lot. Um, no, no, it was amazing. I'm on like two hours of sleep in, <laughs> in like four days there. So um, yeah. I do apologize for that. Yeah. We appreciate it. Was it was amazing. Thank, no, but seriously, thanks. Thanks, Mark Anthony. And uh, thanks, Justin. <laughs> yeah, I got it right that time. Yeah. Finished on the right note. Exactly. So thanks, Joshua. And uh, <laughs> we're too <laughs> But seriously, I'd love to come back anytime. It was Great. Fun. Awesome. It. We really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, thanks. guys, for tuning in. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks, guys.